Hello ladies and gentlemen, I'm Judith Fallon-Reed and welcome to Shelf Life TV, where I have great conversations with Caribbean authors about their lives and books. If you have yet subscribed to this podcast, please do so. You'll always know when new episodes are available. The video of this episode is available also on my YouTube channel. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel and check out my website at jfallonreed.com. Also, check out my other podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Now it's time to share what's on my shelf. Welcome to Shelf Life. My guest today is not a Jamaican. She's from the Cayman Islands. She lives in South Florida, but she still holds on to her Caymanian roots. She's the founder of K-Writers, a group of Caymanian writers, and she spends a lot of her time helping other writers like herself to get their books published. She's an author, but instead of writing just about her Caribbean experience, she writes about crime novels. Now that's unusual for our Caribbean writers. Join me as I chat with Elkie Ferrer. My guest, as I told you, is Elkie. Now, Elkie, so good to have you with me. I told them you're not Jamaican, you're from Cayman, but you're like one of us. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'm so pleased to be here. Thank you so much. I know we've been wanting to do this for a while, so I'm so glad that we've been able to uh, make it happen. Well, tell my guests about yourself, right? I mean, I know you're from Cayman. We met years ago mm -hmm. at the Cayman Book Fair and yes. kind of became instant friends, really. Mm -hmm. But I don't know much about you in terms of, I'm, except I know you came from Cayman. <laughs> <laughs> Where in Cayman are you from? Tell me a little bit about growing up in Cayman. Sure. I grew up in Savannah, which I absolutely loved because it's sort of more in the country, as they say, which was fantastic. Um, and I went to school in town. Um, you know, I just loved growing up on a small island. Um, my parents, my stepfather's English. So I had sort of like a mix of both worlds, so to speak. Um, and then I was basically born and raised there, had never lived anywhere else until five years ago. And then I moved to the United States, Florida. And um, it was not what I expected at all. So it was a huge adjustment. <laughs> it never is. It never is. It was a huge adjustment for myself and my kids. And my husband at the time um, moved there to be with him. So we have two kids together, a boy and a girl, 16 and eight. And when I actually moved here, I started writing full time, which was something that I wanted to do. As you know, in Cayman, I was sort mm -hmm. of doing it as a side business and I wanted to shift and do it full time. And I had that opportunity to do that since I moved to the States and I am absolutely loving it. Um, I did freelancing for a little while and then I shifted to just writing books. And then I kind of stumbled into coaching. <laughs> just through. Stumbled. Yes, literally. I mean, I like to joke that I stumbled into every part of my writing life um, outside of writing books, like freelance writing. It was just uh, stumbled into it, just trying to promote other writers. And the person sort of said, here's a contract. You can work with us. And I was like, well, oh, okay. Nice. <laughs> so that was sort of how my, why does that never happen to me? I <laughs> So it was funny. And then the same with coaching. I was just trying to help connect other writers and all that. And then people just sort of, I kind of got to know, because, you know, Cayman is such a small yes. island. And people just kind of got to know me as the person uh, to go to for help with writing or getting your book out there. And it just kind of morphed into that. Wow. 
So I, I so love Cayman. I so love Cayman. I mm. love being there. I, mm -hmm. I used to spend a lot of time there before COVID. Yeah. BC. I used, to spend, <laughs> I used to spend a lot of time there. And uh, I've met a lot of really fun people and good writers as well. Yes. Through working with you on K-Writers and doing workshops there as well. I really, really got to know some people and just have such a wonderful time whenever I am in Cayman. So you moved here to the States um, and it was definitely, it never is what we expect <laughs> it to be. But backtrack a little bit because mm -hmm. you were you were writing part-time in Cayman. It was mm -hmm. kind of like the rest of us. Right. And then you actually transitioned to full-time writing something we all want to do. <laughs> and we just never were able to do it. How were yeah. you able to do that? I mean, what changed in your life that made you able to do that and sustain it? Well, to be honest with you, I had a five, uh, first I had a 10 year plan of how I was going to transition into writing full time because it's always been a dream of mine to do that. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, you know what, I'm going to do a five year plan. Why not? Let's just put it out there. And ironically enough, um, two years later, my um, husband got a job offer here in the States. And I just said, okay, well, I'm giving up. I have no family there, no friends. And I'm like, you know what? So I kind of twisted his arm a little bit to say, okay, I've got these clients. I'm making this much money. I had money in savings because all the money that I made for my writing, I put it aside as part of my five-year plan. And um, when I moved here, that was sort of how I sort of made it happen. So it was kind of like a a jump and okay. build my wings as I kind of went. Okay. <laughs> as far as sustaining it, it has not been an easy journey. I'll be very honest with you. Um, it's been a challenge for sure, constantly trying to keep up and um, writing because I found that when you write at home, it's a little different. When you're doing it full time, it's, mm -hmm. it's a very different mindset. So there was a bit of that, but um, the, I think the key things that really helped me was just remembering what I that I wanted that dream right. and that hey I'm living that dream and making sure that I'm doing everything that I can to keep that going because I don't want to go back I, I have a part-time job that I got while volunteering okay. and I love what I do because it fits in with my life purpose of helping at-risk kids things like that so I love that but I do not want to go back into the working world. I love what I do. I get to help other writers. I get to write my books. I get to talk about writing, which I absolutely love. Mm -hmm. And I just, yeah. So I think the, the most important thing is that to just to remember why you wanted to start in the first place. That's really, I think, what's helped to sustain me. That's at the crux of it also. Writers, you hear you can't yes. live your dream. Yes. Um, you really can. Yep. She did it. And um, she didn't have a million dollars before she did it either. So I wish I had, but <laughs> no. Told me all Montreal. <laughs> wish we had a million dollars or even just a few more zeros than two. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'd settle for a few more zeros than two. But I think that keeps you hungry, though. It really does. It keeps you hungry and, you know, pushing. So, But your books are interesting. Mm. Um, and I use that word not loosely at all, because mm. as a Caribbean writer myself, and I have a lot of friends who are writers, you know, we run in circles. Right. Um, 
I find that a lot of our writing is usually about our Caribbean experience. Mm -hmm. We write Caribbean stories. Mm. But, oh my goodness, you have just like gone off the deep end. You're, <laughs> you're into like the John Grisham um, kind of stuff, you know, James mm. Patterson kind of stuff. You, <laughs> you've gone into crime drama. Mm. So I finally was able to read one of your books the other day. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I'll give you a real honest story. So mm -hmm. I lost the book for about, <laughs> for about a month. I couldn't find this book and I searched everywhere because I was at a crucial point in the book and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't not know what happened next. I can't <laughs> make it up, you know, like yes. in a regular Caribbean story, you could basically tell, you know, our Caribbean experiences are similar. So you kind mm -hmm. of know what the drug done is going to do, or you kind of know what the criminal is going to do. But this is not that kind of book at all. <laughs> you know, this is your regular crime drama where you you really want to know who did it. It's mm. a who done it. Yeah. So what what got you into that genre of writing? How did you get into writing, first of all? And then what got you into that? Sure. I have always wanted to be a writer. Um, from the time for literally as long as I can remember. And I'm dating myself here, but my parents actually got me one of those ribbon typewriters when I was nine years, yeah <laughs> when I was nine years old that so that's how long and I finished my first book when I was 12 and I think for me um it's always something I wanted to do so that's kind of how I got started into it I loved reading um Nancy Drew were my absolute favorite I like so Nancy Drew yes I love that. And then as I got older, I kind of shifted into historical romances because I love history and just learning about different cultures and, you know, mm -hmm. sort of how they came to be where they're at, where they they're at. And I also love, so it's kind of a mixture of different things, psychology and what makes people do what they do and make the decisions that they make. Because sometimes, you know, the most ordinary people do these extraordinary things and you think they must have just woken up one day and just gone crazy but it's not it's a slow journey and process and I just found that whole part of it really fascinating so that's kind of what drew me into the to the genre and but I never intended to write um, romantic suspense <laughs> at all it's kind of one of those where I kind of stumbled into it <laughs> like everything else with my writing but because I'd already loved watching and reading things about it, I guess it was just sort of a natural um, progression. But um, so that's kind of how I got started. And I just love the whodunit, um, trying to figure out like um, what happened, why do these people make the choices that they make to do something so horrific and what would what would their life be like to make that happen? And I think with my first book, I watched a documentary um, about the children of serial killers. And I thought, wow, what would it be like wow. to grow up and suddenly discover that your parent that you love and who was you know, cherished and took care of you was doing this thing? And I thought, well, how would that affect you as a person in that kind of where the first book came from. And then I really wanted to write something in Cayman because as you said, there weren't other stories like these at all. <laughs> not at all, not at all. Like, not at all, not at all. So it was just a mirror of just 
bringing it all together. Cause like you said, I love Cayman. I love the culture, the small island, that Cayman feel of just, as they call it, Cayman kind. But like any society, it has underneath its secrets. It's, yes. you know, all these things that happened and simmer underneath. So I really wanted to kind of bring all of that together. And that's how the series, the deadly series kind of came to fruition. And just talking about the issues in the society that mm -hmm. I, things that I loved, but then also things that were important that needed to be told. Right. That, okay. As you can tell from this story, Deadly Family, that was something that in our society that there were things happening at the time and they just, it was something I felt passionate about and I needed to tell that story. Yeah, the, the, and those things are very similar to what happens in other Caribbean islands. They're very similar yeah. to what happens in Jamaica. They're similar to pretty much what happens across the world, really. Oh, and I'm absolutely. not telling you what's in the story. You're going to have to read it yourself. Right. <laughs> uh, it's a, the, the last set was a series called The Deadly yes. Series. Take yes. me through each book. Just sure. take me through each book. Absolutely. The first one was about the daughter of a serial killer and um, her journey to sort of discovering herself and coming to, to terms with the fact of all of these things that her mother did and the life choices she made. She decided to become an inspector to solve crimes and help people. So, you know- That's Angel's it, mother. Yes. Okay, I recognize Angel. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And just how it affected her in a negative and positive way and how she kind of was able to grow um, through that experiences um, and returning to the island. And then of course, having to face the fact that somebody else was repeating what her mother had done and having to deal with all of those things that came up. So that's where that story kind of uh, started with um, the idea of, or the show that I saw. Right. And um, also, and that one is called the first book was sure uh, deadly bloodlines. Deadly bloodlines. Okay. Yes, and it has a bit of a paranormal twist to it as well, too, which is kind of stuff that's rooted in our culture, you know. Yeah, Obia but we don't write about. What's that? Yeah, but we don't write about. No, it's funny we don't, and um, you know, just other little things like hearing, you know voices and things like that that you know we all know people in our family that have those gifts that we don't really talk about so there's a little bit of things like that in there as well too um that i wanted to incorporate and then the second one was just um just a passion project like i just this character just jumped out at me i was always wanted to well it started with seeing a car i'll be honest with you and i just thought that is such a fascinating car it was just a really unique car it had only one wheel in the back okay. and then I just started thinking about oh that'd be interesting to drive that car because I love driving stick shifts and really fast cars and I've always wanted to like drag race and things like that and that's where this character came out and she's completely different from Angel um okay. the first character she's you know gutsy she goes after she what she wants and that was a little bit about you know uh, she's very much a tomboy and she just goes after what she wants. She has to deal with, you know, the, the stigma of you're a girl and you can't do that. Right, which is you can't do this. That we as women have to deal depending on the type of profession we go into. So just sort of unwrapping that mm -hmm. um, was, was um, around that story. And it also talked about um, stalking, <laughs> which is mm -hmm. something that 
is prevalent that mm -hmm. in society in general, as well as the Caribbean, it's not really necessarily taken too seriously. So that was something yes. that um, I wanted to talk about as well, too. So there's a lot of different elements in there. And it's something that a lot of us women have had to deal with. Mm -hmm. You know, this whole issue of stalking and being mm. stalked by ex-boyfriends and the, the, the boyfriends of friends who are, you know, it's just girlfriends of boyfriends. And it's something right. that we deal with and um, we don't talk a lot about, nope. you know, and to and bring you know, that most... out in a book was really, really cool. And this, that was the second book. Yes, that was the, the title of that, that one was Deadly Race. Deadly Race. Okay. Yes. All right. And the third one, which is this one, um, which is Deadly Family was, oh my gosh, it was so emotional to write. I can't tell you how many times I broke into tears and just anger, frustration, I'm sure. Okay, yeah. let me stop you right there because <laughs> when I read the first chapter, I was like, what in the name of God is going on in this woman's head? Everybody <laughs> thought that. What's yeah. happening in your head, Elke? Yeah. <laughs> what is yes. going on? That was what I thought, I'm like, Oh my God! This is a real crime novel. This is this mm. is straight out of um. What's that show that used to give me nightmares? Um. Oh, when I remember it, I'll tell you. The okay. one where the FBI uh, people are always trying to oh, catch these killers. Criminal, criminal minds. Criminal, criminal minds. I, I love that show. Yeah. You. I used to until it started giving me nightmares. I like. Yeah. This book was straight out of Criminal Minds. I could mm. see the 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 characters, I could see the crime. Yeah. It was straight out of Criminal Minds. So how did you get to that? Um, I'll be honest with you. It was just really, I wrote it out of frustration of the whole situation because there were cases that were going on in Cayman at the time. And the mm -hmm. book basically uh, morphed on its own. It was never really intended to be quite this dark. Um, but I think, to be honest, I mean, it is darker than anything I have ever written because the other books were, they were dark, but not this dark. And, um, I had to call friends and say, you, you can't read that. You can't handle this book. <laughs> I wish you had told me that. <laughs> um, and especially the first chapter, because I just debated on whether to start with this because it is really like horrific. You're there with the killer in a, yeah. you know, the yeah. dead, the dead body and the scenes the torture scenes were really, and I think for me that came out of my um, anger at these people who would do this. Yeah. And just how that would affect an individual and sort of jumping into the criminal's mind and trying to understand like why they're doing this. And just, you know, they had been pushed to the point where they, they nobody was helping them to get justice, so to speak. Right. And, you know, they just, felt, I have to take this into my own hands. I have to deal with this. And the way that they handle it was not good in any way, shape or form, but it was just sort of like, these are the, and also highlighting, these are the things that can happen to individuals yes. when traumatic things like this happen to them. And I think, like I said, it was just for me, writing the scenes were so emotional, but it was just my anger. Like if it was me, what would I do to this person? And it was like, oh, so a lot of it. Yeah, yeah I will, came I'll, out I'll, of make that. Sure, I'll make sure not to cross you. <laughs> <laughs> but very, very, very well written. I mean, like really drew me into the story 
drew me into the characters. And because I know Cayman so well, mm. I could actually see the locations, yes. which was really cool for me. Because a lot of times you read books written by, you know, novelists, um, especially crime books, and mm. you really don't know where that is. You know, you yeah. kind of have to imagine it. But for me, knowing mm. Cayman as well as I do, it was just being able to pinpoint exactly where certain things were happening in the book. How have, right. how, how have people taken to your crime novels? Do you find that your audience is um, largely a Caribbean audience or is it just a wide audience of people? Because crime novels really do, you know, appeal to a wider audience. Yeah, my first fans definitely were from Cayman, without a doubt. Um, and then it just sort of branched out when I started sending my books out to bloggers that were in different locations around the world. Then I started to build a fan base um, in the UK, um, here in the US, obviously. So, but I would say my core fan base is still from Cayman. Mm -hmm. And I've just been so wonderful because you never know how your community is going to react to what yeah. you write because it is so different. And I think they love that I'm talking about things um, and places and people like they could recognize some of the characters and people that mm -hmm. they knew, that kind wow. of stuff. Um, and some were, and, but surprisingly, it was really nice that a, quite a few were like, yes, this was a serious issue that needed to be talked about and needed to be discussed. And, or, oh, they just love the characters because these people reminded them of, you know, my uncle or my cousin or, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, I know that person. It was just like that. And then recognizing the places and just reading about some place that you know and love that isn't right. just a historical Rook account or something like that. So that's been the feedback and it's been wonderful because I loved being able to write about Cayman, the people, the place, things that I love about the island, in addition to obviously the things that, you know, aren't so great, but it's everywhere. You have, you know, there's always things good and bad um, everywhere, everywhere you go. Everywhere yeah. you go, everywhere you go. Yeah. Um, it's, I, I must tell you, at first I thought, I never thought that those books were, had anything at all to do with Cayman. I thought you just set them in Cayman. So to find out that you actually were writing based on some stuff that was actually happening, you mm -hmm. know, really brings it home and makes it even more, more poignant for me. Yeah. yeah, I've read it. And now I have to go back and read the first two because yeah. I've already read <laughs> Deadly Family. So now I have to read yeah. the first two and check right. those out and see what those are like. So what are you working on now? Are you working on something new? I am. Um, it's, there was supposed to be book four, to be honest, to this, uh, which was dealing with um, mental health issues, which okay. is another uh, topic that they're dealing with in Cayman at the moment and the importance of discussing it and, you know, dealing with it. Um, but I had this other book that was just screaming at me. <laughs> And it was a book that I wrote 20 years ago. And I'll be honest with you, I kind of wish sometimes that I could just throw it away <laughs> because it was written 20 years ago. So it, it's like, I'm completely revamping it. So it's definitely been a challenge and it's something different that I've never written before as well too. Okay. And it's basically a contemporary romance with uh, spiritual undertones. Okay. So it's basically the character, um, and it's part of a series. <laughs> you, you like the your series? series. Just jumping out at me. It's like <laughs> it wasn't meant to be, but like I said, everything that happens with my writing tends to fall into 
um, fall, I fall into it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's basically about a woman who meets uh, her soulmate in her dreams, mm. which it's, it's kind of unusual. Um, and it's just an experience that I had 20 years ago myself. I met Obviously, I didn't meet them in real life, but I had a dream about somebody. <laughs> and that's kind of where the story idea came from. And it just talks about her journey, her spiritual journey, okay. um, and just growing and meeting the person that she actually dreamed about and the complications that come with relationships okay. that you think are supposed to be made in heaven but they aren't always and okay. how they work through those. Yeah. Okay, that's nice. That sounds... That sounds good. Not as dark. Um, no, it's a little bit lighter. <laughs> and I know you also write romance. So that's that's in the romance kind of category of what you do. You know what? I promise I always like to have my listeners here a couple minutes of something. Sure. So could you could you just do two two minutes? Of Absolutely. Deadly Family. Yes. I picked a nice short chapter. It's chapter 13. The smell of the room made Melanie want to vomit. It wasn't nasty. In fact, it was a scent most people would consider pleasant. Vanilla with a hint of cinnamon. But this particular smell triggered memories, bad memories she didn't want to remember or think about. Victor had asked to meet with her. Melanie ignored his calls the way she always did. But Victor's message said he wanted to talk about Brian. She'd do anything to find out what happened to Brian, even if it meant spending time in Victor's company. Have you made the funeral arrangements? She knew Brian would want the ceremony done at his church, not Victor's, and she'd make damn sure it happened. Melanie clenched her fists until the nails dug into the tender flesh of her palms. This is about Brian, stay focused. Samantha has, his tone implied being offended, it had, it'll be at Brian's church, the way he wants. She relaxed. So why the meeting? We need to discuss Brian's business. Melanie stared at him in disbelief. His son wasn't even buried yet, and already he wanted to get his grubby hands on the business. You mean my business, don't you? The twitch of Victor's jaw was an obvious discomfort gave her a moment of pause. She and Brian were equal partners. Her mother had made sure of it, much to Victor's dismay. It hadn't been his choice. Yes, Victor shifted from one foot to the other and his back became ramrod straight as he glared at her. He'd used the tactic when she and Brian were kids. For many years, it terrified them, her, not anymore. Brian's portion should come to me. Her father's viewpoint was always askew, but this statement proved he was going off the deep end. Hell, he was already there. You want me to give you a successful business that you have no legal right to? Victor's face flared red. I have a right. Your mother was my wife, and as her husband, I was entitled to the entire business. It was my right. Victor leaned towards leaned forward on the couch, the urge to yell and bolt coursing through her. The longer Victor spent in that madhouse of a church, the more warped his percep perception got, as bad as his mother was. Melanie was thankful she'd been, she hadn't been sucked in as deeply. Yes, I remember that chapter. <laughs> 
I remember that chapter. So before we go, I got to touch on K writers. Got to find out what's happening with K writers. As I, I told my, my viewers at the beginning that you were the founder of K writers. I didn't tell them too much about what it was though. So what exactly is K writers? Well, K writers started out as my way of wanting to connect other writers in Cayman to each other um, and then just to share resources to help each other to build a writing career. And then it morphed <laughs> and I fell into coaching. And then when I moved here, um, it became completely online um, because I was no longer in Cayman. And then from there is where I started to build my coaching business, which is where I help fiction writers mm -hmm. stay focused with accountability and support, taking them from idea to launched book. And basically what that means <laughs> is I help them to write, edit, and launch their books and do it again and again. So there's resources. I have uh, group coaching programs. I have um, online courses, workbooks. Mm -hmm. I try to provide as much as I can to be able to help writers there's also the Facebook group um, as well too. So it, like everything else in my writing life, it's kind of morphed into something else, so. <laughs> I think that's the case in the life of most of us who are creative people. Our lives kind of just morph from one thing into the next, into the next. We kind of just fall backwards into stuff and then go, yes. oh, okay, I'm here. So let me go, let me go. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, good, all good. Oh. All good, all good, we'll do it. Well, Elke, it has been wonderful, as always, chatting with you. I look forward to reading the first two now that I've read the third, you know, but that's okay with me. I'm one of those people who can watch the end of the movie and still go back and watch the movie and enjoy it. I, I'm okay yes. with that. Um, and I look forward to the next book when it comes out, when you've finished re-editing and fixing up your 20-year-old book. We know how that is too. I think I have a couple of those. Yes. Um, but thank you for joining me on Shelf Life today. It's been thank wonderful having you. Thank you for having me. I had a wonderful time. It was so great catching up with you. you I look too. forward to seeing you again, hopefully soon. Yeah, when COVID don't keep, as we say in Jamaica, we'll mm -hmm. catch each other in Cayman at a book fair. How's Absolutely. That, plan? <laughs> that sounds like a good plan. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me on Shelf Life. I'll catch you again next week, same place, same time for another Shelf Life so we can see what else is on my shelf.